0: Well again, uh, good morning. If you have a, a Bible, will you turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel and chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse uh, 16. It's great to be uh, with you again. Um, I think I was checking my diary. It was 20 years ago, the last time I preached here, so hopefully you remember the sermon. And actually my very first time here uh, was back in the early 70s when uh alistair beg one of your former uh, ministers was inducted into the church so and um, have been a very uh, good relationship with a number of people over the years here so we're going to read from luke uh, chapter four um, jesus has been baptized he spent 40 days um, in the desert he's been tempted but not given into temptation uh, by the devil and then we read he went to nazareth where he had been brought up To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When he rode up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? he asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me Physician, hear yourself and you will tell me do you hear in your hometown what you have not heard in capernaum truly i tell you he continued no prophet is accepted in his hometown i assure you that there are many widows in israel in elijah's time when the sky was shut down and three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah had not sent <coughs> to any of them, but to a widow of Zepharath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy. At the time of Elijah the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him out to the brow of the hill, on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and went on his way. Amen. And may God add the blessing of his word to us. 25 days to go. And, as to a general election, in case you were trying to work it out. <laughs> and behind the scenes, there are manifestos written and i'm pretty confident that and please correct me as you go out today none of you have ever read any political manifesto and yet politicians spend hours days years (laughs) writing it for your benefit and a manifesto as you're aware is if you vote for us if you if we go into power this is what we will do or this is what we will not do, and valid their manifesto. And here, at the start of Christ's three-year public ministry, he stands up and gives his manifesto for what he is about. He gives his manifesto to say, for the next three years, and for those that will follow on after me, here is what we are about. This is who we are. This is our role. And unlike most political parties or most politicians, he kept his manifesto absolutely completely. And in many ways, this is what Tier Fund, and I would suggest to you the church, is meant to be about. Not... Just in Africa, not just in Asia, but here in Hamilton, here in Scotland, in the 21st century. We are called to be like Jesus and to follow him. And will you notice with me the first thing that I think this passage tells us? It tells us that the church, that Jesus is about people. People. It's about people. And that is so true for Teofund. Fund, Fund, yes, we've got structures and policies and all that, but ultimately it's about seeing individuals transformed and changed both economically, but also spiritually as well. Fund works with individuals as I was saying to the, the young folk um, earlier on they seek to get people into clusters people who are in pretty well absolute poverty we visited uh, when I was in Rwanda last year a number of projects perhaps one of the most amazing ones was um, a group of women in, in a small village uh, whose Really had no income at all, uh, and through tear fund money were able to um, set up a group who started sewing by hand and we made clothes. we sold some of those clothes and we reinvested it and now there were 25 women in uh, that village who were had sewing machines that they'd bought themselves, were making clothes and were sending them out throughout Rwanda and into other parts of Africa. Life's transformed. But it's not just the economic benefit that tear funds seek to bring. It is also a spiritual change as well. So within these small groups, they have prayer together. They have Bible study together. They seek to be accountable, not just in regard to work, but spiritually as well and can I suggest that is appropriate for us on any kind of mission Sunday focus is to focus on individuals and people and um, as um, was said at the start I spent about 10-12 years working at Morningside Baptist Church and it was a great privilege uh, to work there with a number of gifted individuals and we used to spend you know a long time in our deacons and elders meetings talking about structures and policies and colours of carpets and important things like that. (laughs) But actually every now and then you have to remind people it's about people. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he said this is what we want to do, we want to transform lives." And that is absolutely true for us here in Scotland today as well. You see, we can have the best of everything, but unless we see individuals changed by the gospel, then we simply labour in vain. And I hope that we are focused on people. I challenge myself about that. Church can come so about what is happening in here, in ourselves, that we remember that Jesus came to reach the unlost. I wonder for myself, for, for you, am I praying regularly for people to come to know Jesus? Am I so busy doing lots of good things? Well actually I don't know my neighbour or my workmate or the person at the school gate. Have I lost that gospel call that Jesus says come and I want to transform individual lives. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, clearly, when he says that, he's talking probably about two types of poor people: economically poor. That's what Tearfund is focused on when it looks to help people out of economic growth. But if we read the other scripture and we put it within the context, he is talking about poor in regard to people's spirituality as well. That if we do not know Jesus, however much money we have in our pockets, however many clothes we have, however big a house we live in, however grand a job we have, without knowing Jesus, we are always going to be poor. And so we have a role to play a match today, is to bring that good news. But interestingly, and I think what struck me most about being Rwanda was not the absolute poverty that we saw, but we saw a transformation of a country, a nation. Um, I'm sure most of you will know that 25 years ago, Rwanda, Rwanda had a genocide within it. In a hundred days, one million people were killed. So within 100 days, um, a a fifth of the Scottish population was wiped out. Literally, neighbour against neighbour. Literally, total carnage within the country. It was a country that was on its knees. Two tribes fighting it out, literally, to the death. And what is amazing when you go to that country is you see that that is still clearly part of their story. But actually they've moved beyond that as well. That There has been reconciliation from the president downwards. There's been a coming together of a country. But one of the difficult things has been that in some ways perhaps explicitly but certainly explicitly the church in Rwanda was part of the genocide was part of the issue and we went one day to a again very tribal very rural part of a country we were listening to what they were doing locally through tear work and people were taking my photos and finishing up and I saw a man in the corner and I went over with an interpreter just to say hello and in my usual way I never know what to say to people I say and tell me a wee bit about yourself he said well actually if you really want to know 25 years ago during the genocide I killed eight people in this village I went to prison, and I found Jesus in prison, came to faith, came to salvation in him. He said, I didn't know what to do when I got released from prison, because they had a kind of way of getting people back into the community. He said, all I knew was to come back to this village, but I had killed my neighbours and actually some of my friends. And So on the first Sunday he went to church and an old lady came up to him and he shook his hand and said welcome brother to the church. Now that would have been remarkable enough but what was even more remarkable was that that man had killed that lady's husband and children. and yet through the power of Christ she was able to forgive him and they are now friends in the Lord Jesus and they serve in that local church reaching the community where they are that is the power of the gospel that is reconciliation and can I again humbly suggest that that is what we need here in our country as well within our church too often as a church both nationally and sometimes locally we are divided what did jesus say to his disciples how will you know that you are my disciples Is because you will love one another. That's the power of the gospel. And I wonder this morning, do you need to reconcile with someone? Is there someone perhaps within the church, perhaps within another church, perhaps within your family? And you're not. Oh, maybe on the face of it you are, but actually you know there's something going on. Perhaps you need to telephone that person. Perhaps you need to send an email and ask for forgiveness or forgive someone else. It can be costly. It can be painful. But reconciliation comes at that cost rwanda as a nation and as a tribe and as villages and as individuals are a living example of that but that transformation can be radically different it can make us look different it may not be accepted if you ask someone For forgiveness if you forgive someone else we cannot dictate their response but it is the God-given thing to do so we want to transform lives we want to see reconciliation within our church and within our country but will you notice where Jesus gave this remarkable sermon. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. I have to say, my most nervous time I've ever preached was preaching back in my home church because everyone knows you and knows what a hypocrite you really are when you start to preach. And most of the people had taught me in Sunday school or in youth fellowship and it was hard to do to preach in your own church. But this is where Jesus went. He went back to where he had been brought up. And he lays out his mission for the next three years of what he is going to do with the disciples and ultimately what he wants the church to do. And there's a slight danger sometimes on Mission Sundays is that we talk about Rwanda and we hear these remarkable stories of what is happening, or we hear what's happening in other parts of the world and we think that's remarkable. But then we think to ourselves, well, it doesn't apply to Hamilton Baptist Church. Or it applies to the person sitting two rows in front of me, but it doesn't apply to me. Actually, bringing it home locally (coughs) is what the gospel is all about. It's transforming my life, our church. our communities. And so I when I talk about reconciliation, I hope oh, you don't just think, oh what a remarkable story, but that couldn't happen here. Or you think to yourself, that's amazing what Tear Fund are doing in that part of the world. But we don't need that here. Jesus went to his hometown to transform a community but will you notice what happened the community reje- mostly rejected what he said in fact we got so angry we got so annoyed with him that we were about to throw him off a cliff the gospel would not always be accepted the gospel divides the gospel is a clear mirror to show us what we are like and what jesus wants us to be like and i sometimes think in my own life that i i, I want to soft pedal sometimes the gospel you know the, the, the nice cuddly stories about well, the wonder the ones that we want people to hear but we don't want to tell people about the sin and the ugliness that went on and still goes on not only in that country but across our world and you cannot know how your family or your neighbours or your workmates will react to when you tell them the gospel that in fact is not your response ability some will be interested some will be indifferent and some will react with anger towards you so i want to finish by saying we cannot do this in our own strength look at verse 18 the spirit of the lord is on me remember if we just go back um literally about 41 days from when this incident took place jesus was baptized by john the baptist and as he came out of the water that the spirit of god fell upon him and what i'm suggesting is happening in rwanda what i'm suggesting needs to happen here in scotland it has to happen here in hamilton If we try to do it in our own strength, if we try to do it with our own technology, with our own brains, with our own methodology, it is bound to fail. We need God's spirit, God's power in our lives, within our church, within our nation again. I wonder for those of us who have been Christians for many years how often do I stop and ask for the Spirit of the Lord to be upon me again? How often do I check that I'm in touch with God's purpose for my life? How often do I stop and say What is your plan, God, for me? The danger is we just get caught up in today-to-day life. The danger is we don't stop and hear what God is saying to us. We all live busy lives in different ways. One of the great things about being with um, a group of people going to Rwanda was that at the end of the day we simply stopped and we tried to listen to each other about our experiences and tried to listen to what God was saying in it and again that pattern of just listening to God to what he is saying to us is so helpful I want to thank you for the support that you give to your fund. thank you for your help that you are doing for transforming and changing lives but I want to encourage you that what God is doing in other parts of the world he wants to do again here and he does it through fallen individuals like you And I, I think one of the big challenges that we face in Scotland is to bring people together through the gospel of reconciliation. And if we can model that as fellowships across our land, I think people will be drawn to that and more importantly will be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ we seek to love and serve and honor and my prayer is is that the spirit of the lord is upon each of us that he anoints us this week to go and proclaim good news not just to the poor but to everyone that we come across let us pray Father, we ask that as we come to the end of this time together, that you would not only give us um, thankfulness for what is happening in parts of our world and your world, but you would help us to hear what you're saying to us as individuals. Thank you that you can transform us through the gospel. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Christ's death and resurrection. And we do pray and I pray for myself and for each individual here. that you would help us to stay in tune with you. To hear your voice. To have the courage. your spirit to proclaim jesus this week in the communities that you put us into and we ask that as a church you would help us not only to see our mission field out with this country but you would help us to see our mission field in our local street and in our community and in our workplace and within our schools Thank you that you haven't forgotten about us thank you that you love us and care for us and help us to take that love and to share it with those that we come into contact this week and we ask this in jesus name amen